Welcome to the Astro Guy Podcast. I'm not an expert. I'm an amateur like you. I'm here to learn and here to teach. So let's enjoy the ride together. Carpe Noctum. Seize the night. I'm your host, Wayne Zool, and this is the Astro Guy Podcast. In this episode, we'll go over how to get started in astrophotography using just a camera, a lens, and a tripod. You'll have to download some software, but we'll go into that in the episode. I hope that you'll enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed putting it together. Many amateur astronomers enjoy the pursuit of astrophotography which can be a beautiful mix of science and art. My astrophotography journey was rekindled in the summer of 2020 when Comet Neowise was a naked eye object. I went to a local park and took some pictures of the comet with a digital camera and a tripod that I had purchased in 2002. I managed to capture images of the comet, but they were just okay. They were very grainy, definitely not what anyone would call great images. But the astrophotography bug was reawakened inside me. As 2020 turned into 2021, I purchased a used Hydrogen Alpha modified Canon 60D camera. I found it on cloudy nights and got it for a great price. I also bought an Optolong L enhanced filter that was on sale that I could use with the camera. This would help to combat the light pollution that I'm surrounded by. In March of 2021, I made my first attempt at deep sky imaging with just the camera and a 200mm zoom lens. I had the camera mounted on my Skywatcher CG5 Pro mount, and with poor polar alignment, mainly because my house and trees block Polaris from view, I was limited to images of about 30 seconds before there was any noticeable error. So I went out and I imaged. I was able to get some decent images of the belt and the sword of Orion. Finally, I had images, so I had to stack them. Stacking allows you to take many shorter exposures and add them together to make a single image. Doing this reduces the signal to noise ratio where the signal is the light from the objects that you're imaging and the noise is the digital readout noise from your camera. I spent a lot of nights learning how to use stacking software, trying several different programs. I started with Sequitur and then downloaded Deep Sky Stacker, which are both free to download and use. After some trial and error, it seemed that I was able to get the best results from Deep Sky Stacker or AstroPixel Processor, although Cyril, another free package, is a very close second. For calibration images, I was taking dark and bias frames, but not flat fields. If you're not familiar with these terms, don't worry. I'll explain it right now. Dark frames are taken before and after imaging and use all the same settings for the light images only with the lens cap on. This is used by the stacking software to help eliminate hot and bad pixels that can have a negative impact on the final image. 
Bias frames are similar to dark frames, except that they are shot at the shortest possible exposure, one eight thousandth of a second for my camera, and this establishes the bias signal. The bias signal is the base noise created by the electronics in the camera. To be truthful, flat fields scared me. I wasn't really sure how to capture them, and I didn't want to buy an expensive flat field panel to create them, so early on I just didn't use them. The benefits of using flat fields are that they will show dust on the lens or the sensor, as well as vignetting and other defects, and by averaging many flat field images together, the stacking software can then subtract out the vignetting and dust, giving a much cleaner final image. Early on, I learned that the infinity focus on all of my camera lenses really isn't set at infinity. Set to infinity, the stars were blobs. So now I had to spend quite a bit of time taking images and trying to get the sharpest star images that I could. I would spend 30 minutes or more each night trying to get a good focus. Add that to setting up the mount, doing a three-star alignment, trying to polar align, and then connecting everything to the laptop. It was not a quick way to acquire images, and I was losing a good amount of nighttime in the process. When I tried to use the viewfinder or the screen on the back of the camera to focus, the results were poor, since even zoomed in, everything was very small. I wasted a couple of nights by using an intervalometer to take images, not hooking it up to the laptop. Spending a night taking blurry images is not fun. After learning that lesson, I started using the computer to help with focus and was able to get the images relatively sharp. Later, I purchased an inexpensive Batonov mask, making focusing an even easier task. You can make one yourself using a 3D printer or just some cardboard and an X-Acto knife. Google Batonov Mask Generator to learn more. Now that I was in focus, I was able to capture 60 images of the Sword of Orion. Each exposure was 15 seconds long. Then I had to take dark and bias frames before I could process the data, but eventually it paid off. I was able to acquire a decent image of the sword. It was nice, but I still had a long way to go. Deep sky imaging with tracking and guiding can be a very complex process. In the spring of 2021, I read some articles about budget astrophotography. People were putting a camera on a tripod and taking lots of short exposures, then taking calibration frames and stacking and processing everything together. Some people were creating amazing images using exposures of only a few seconds and adding hundreds or thousands of images together to create the final image. I thought that sounded like it could be easy and fun, so I gave that a try. Fast forward to early August 2021. I was at the Stellafane Convention in Springfield, Vermont, and it was actually clear on Friday evening. Well, sort of clear. There were some clouds passing through, creating lots of sucker holes. So I set up the camera on the tripod with my widest or shortest focus lens, an 18mm f3.5. I wasn't using any filters, and using the 500 rule, 
I knew that I could expose images for 17 seconds before any trailing would be noticeable. I'll put a link in the show notes about the 500 rule, which helps you figure out how long you can expose an image before noticing star trails. Deciding to play it safe, I set up to shoot 16 second exposures. While focusing, the clouds were passing by the area I wanted to shoot, which was the Milky Way going through Cygnus. But after about 15 minutes, I was finally able to get focus and start imaging. Unfortunately, the clouds were getting worse, and I only managed about 12 minutes of light data. So after taking dark and bias frames, I packed up, and I would have to wait until I was back home to process everything. I was pleasantly surprised when I stacked the images. I could see the North American Nebula in Cygnus, the Milky Way, and even the Veil Nebula were visible in the image. Unfortunately, the clouds that were passing by appeared as faint diagonal streaks on the final image. But on this first try, I had a relatively sharp image that showed a decent amount of detail. While happy with the results, I wanted to do better. I really wanted to take more detailed images of Cygnus using this method. So at home, I needed to use a filter due to the light pollution where I live. I also switched lenses to the Canon Nifty 50, a 50mm f1.8 lens. Faster is usually better. However, I recommend stopping down by at least one stop so your stars don't appear as bloated. Using the 500 rule, I was able to shoot six second exposures. I played around with the ISO settings, shooting some nights at ISO 1600 or even ISO 3200. The ISO in simple terms is how sensitive to light the sensor is. The higher the number, the more sensitive, but the higher sensitivity comes with more readout noise leading to a lower to signal to noise ratio. But even at ISO 1600, I was able to capture some decent images of the northern part of Cygnus. It was around this time when I decided to try to take flat fields to add them into the mix. Using a free app on my phone that evenly illuminates the phone screen and a white t-shirt over the lens, I found that it was really easy to take flat fields. I was scared for nothing. After several nights of imaging, some during the full moon, thanks to the filter, I was getting some nice images, but I knew that I could do better. So on Friday, September 10th, 2021, I planned on taking 640 six-second exposures at ISO 800, which is the sweet spot for my camera. Setup literally takes minutes. Put the camera on the tripod, plug in the USB cable, plug that into the laptop, and go. I took 50 dark frames at the start of the night. Then I spent about 10 or 15 minutes getting good focus. I use a program called Backyard EOS to control the camera, and it allows you to zoom in to get a good focus. It actually has a lot of great features and is a relatively inexpensive investment. Once you have a Batnov mask, you can get focus pretty quickly. Once focused, I spent the next couple of hours taking the light frames. At first, I set the camera control software to take 20 images and stop. This way, I could reframe the image if needed. I realized 
that I could set the software to take 80 images before I would need to reframe the image in the camera and do it again. Once I got to 640 images, I kept going since it was clear and the images looked good on the computer. I ended up taking a total of 880 six-second exposures that night before the clouds came in. I then took 60 flat field images before putting the lens cap on to take another 50 dark images and then 60 bias frames. Now I had to process it all. As I mentioned earlier, there are several programs to do this. There are many free programs that will stack everything into a single image. The fastest one seems to be Sequitur, but I couldn't get the colors right. Everything that I processed had a green tint to it. Thankfully, Sequitur only took about 35 minutes to process all 1100 images. That's lights, flats, darks, and biases. But the image looked sharp, but the green tint had to go. So then I went with what I found to be the most robust stacking software, Astro Pixel Processor. I loaded the images into the software, and after more than 36 hours of the software calibrating and stacking the image, I was finally able to start post-processing the image. The finished FITS file doesn't show a lot of detail. In fact, it shows very little. In post-processing, you do what is called stretching the image, which is really stretching the histogram to bring out the details that are hidden within. At the time, I was using GIMP for post-processing. GIMP is an open source program that is similar to Photoshop. However, you can download and use GIMP for free. So I cropped the images to focus on the central part of the frame. Remember, the image moved across the sensor and I would reposition it every so often. So the edges had lots of offsets. I then spent several minutes adjusting the light curves to bring out more nebula and stars. The problem with this stage is that as you make adjustments, you adjust everything. So if you brighten the nebulosity, the stars will also brighten. So when I had an image where the stars looked good, I stopped, saved it, and then imported the file into Starnet Win++, another free program. Starnet Win++ removes the stars from the image, leaving the nebulosity behind. I took the image with the nebulosity only imported that back into GIMP and made further adjustments to make the nebulosity really pop. Once that was done, I had to blend the original image with the stars with the starless one. Fortunately, this was an easy task in GIMP, and after less than an hour of post-processing, I finally had an image that I was really proud of. The stars are sharp, and the amount of nebulosity that's there is mind-blowing considering that it was acquired using six-second subframes with no tracking or guiding from badly light-polluted skies. I know that the image is far from perfect, but I'm happy with it. After I completed the Cygnus image, I watched a video from Nico Carver of the YouTube channel Nebula Photos. In the video, he went over the same process, and I had done a lot of things right. A few months later, I had the opportunity to attend a webinar that Nico was giving, and he mentioned the free software Cyril. This is an image processing software package that can work with video for planetary imaging, 
as well as stacking and doing most of the post-processing for deep sky imaging all in one package. So in January of 2022, when Orion was well-placed, I repeated the process. I framed it so that the three belt stars were near the center of the frame and began imaging. The first night, I was only able to capture about 20 minutes of light data, or 200 frames, before the clouds came in. A couple of nights later, I was able to get another 300 frames to give me a total of 50 minutes of integration time. Each night, I took calibration frames and processed everything together in AstroPixel Processor. And then I did post-processing in Cyril and GIMP. The result was a well-framed Orion that showed the Horsehead and Flame Complex, as well as the Great Orion Nebula. To my surprise, Barnard's loop was well-defined in the image, and the star colors looked great. Using Cyril allows you to post-process really quickly. Once you load your stacked or fits image, click where it says linear at the bottom of the screen and change that to auto stretch. This is done to show you how the image can look. Make sure that you're only looking at one of the color channels, not the combined RGB image, and make sure to crop away any uneven areas around the edges of the image. This will make for a much cleaner finished product. One of the things that I really like about Cyril is that it can plate solve the image, meaning it can identify exactly what you're looking at, and then it can calibrate the star colors so that they're accurate by neutralizing the background. However, I found that the photometric method of color calibration doesn't always work. If Cyril can't plate solve the image, you can draw a box and use the manual method. It will make an estimate that works very well. It also allows you to remove the green noise from the image. What is green noise? Well, the camera's sensor has a color filter array that tries to mimic the color sensitivity of the human eye. So each pixel has a green, red, green, and blue matrix. Because the green has double the output in the matrix, it has double the noise. And Cyril can remove that, giving the images a more natural look. After removing the green noise, you'll want to do a background extraction to remove any gradients or light pollution. Again, Cyril makes this easy. Just click on Background Extraction under the Image Processing menu and play around with the sliders, hitting Generate each time until you're pleased with the areas that will be affected. You don't want bright nebula to be under the boxes. Once you're happy with the grid, click Apply and you'll see a noticeable change in the image. After this, make sure that the image is set to linear and then begin stretching. You can stretch in the RGB window to see how the final image will look. Now it's up to you, but you can use the auto stretch function or you can stretch it manually. If you choose to stretch your image manually, you'll move the right slider so it's about in the middle of the tallest part of the histogram. Then slide the left slider toward the peak, making sure that you're not clipping the data. Cyril makes that easy to monitor as well with guides on the right side. After the first stretch, hit apply and then repeat the process. You can do this several times until you're pleased with the image. 
once you're done stretching, try to use the median filter. You can play around with the settings to see what works and what doesn't. Cyril has a back button, so you can't really mess it up. After doing all that, which should only take a few minutes, I output the image as a TIFF file and then bring it into GIMP to adjust the darkness of the background a little and to do some further noise reduction. Once done, I export the image as a TIFF and also as a JPEG so that I can share it on social media or other sites if I want. While what I just described is only one method of imaging without a mount or a tracker, you can utilize the same technique with your camera on a tracker or a mount, which will allow you to take longer sub-exposures. Longer subs mean that you have fewer images to stack later, and also each subframe will have a much better signal-to-noise ratio. If you have a DSLR, I'd encourage you to give this a try. It's a fun and rewarding way to get started in astrophotography without spending a fortune. I'd love to see your results if you give it a try. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I've hoped that you found our time together to be fun and helpful. If you have questions or episode suggestions, please email us at astroguypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a text or a voicemail message at 973-404-0380. If you're not already a member, please join the Astro Guy podcast group on Facebook. You'll find other members, videos, blogs, and other useful information there for your enjoyment. You can also visit our YouTube channel, the Astro Guy podcast, for past episodes and other surprises. We'd really appreciate it if you'd review our podcast as this can help us get more followers. Thank you again for listening, and may your skies be clear. As always, Carpe Noctum, seize the night. I'm Wayne Zool, and this was the Astro Guy Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, your questions, comments, and suggestions are welcome. Keep wondering. Keep your eyes on the sky. Have fun. Carpe Noctum. Seize the night.